Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. With your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. The Cowboy rides in this week on Beyond the Bell. WCW 101 continues on as we cover the history of World Championship Wrestling. Tonight, Chapter 5 is featured as we cover the controversial period of Cowboy Bill Watts being put in charge of WCW. Find out what rule changes were made by the Cowboy. Get ready to relive Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. Plus, the crowning of the first ever African-American World Heavyweight Champion. All this and more as the Cowboy rides in to run WCW on Beyond the Bell. Chapter 5 starts right after this quick timeout. Gamefly is by far the easiest way to rent and buy games. Choose a game, put it in your queue, comes right to your door. When the kids need a new game, put it back in the envelope, put it in your mailbox. Done. There are no late fees, and if you want to keep the game, it's less than you'd buy it in stores. One monthly fee, and it just comes to the door, and I don't have to do anything. And there's not just like a select amount of games, but there's thousands. thousands. Are you a gaming family? Then go to Gamefly.com right now and start your free 30-day trial today. Now offering movie rentals. Products genre at E3, E10+. Plus. We love Gamefly. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring in a man that's certainly no stranger to wrestling fans around the world. He is the new vice president of wrestling operations in WCW. Please welcome Cowboy Bill Watts to our broadcast. And Bill, thanks very much for being here. I know you're excited about being in WCW, as is the world. Certainly, Jim. You know, it's like coming home. I mean, TBS and wrestling goes together like peaches and cream. This is the side of a, the Omni in Atlanta, where Dusty Rhodes and I used to walk tall. We used to go against guys like the Anderson Brothers. Thunderbolt Patterson, stars like that, Mr. Wrestling 1, Mr. Wrestling 2. This is so exciting for me to be back here. We're going to have a lot of great news for the fans. But right now, wrestling is what we're here about. Let's go to the ring and get into the action. Nineteen ninety-two saw a new sheriff in town in World Championship Wrestling. With the demotion of Dusty Rhodes, Kip Fry turned over the promotion to Cowboy Bill Watts. But not before Fry had hired Jesse the Body Ventura as a color commentator for the promotion. And you know, fans, I said during our last pay-per-view of 1991 Starcade that 1992 would be WCW's biggest year ever. We have some very important announcements for you. First of all, I'd like to introduce to all the great fans here in Topeka and all of our fans nationwide, the new man in charge of WCW, our new executive vice president. Please welcome with me, Mr. K. Allen Fry. Mr. Fry, be great working with you here in 1992. Thanks very much, Tony. It's great to see you and great to be a part of World Championship Wrestling. You know, 1992 is going to be a year full of surprises for us, and I have the first surprise right here. This is the contract for the next World Heavyweight title match. It's going to be February 29th, Super Brawl 2, only on pay-per-view. 
And the signature on this contract, Tony, is none other than the, than the total package, Lex Luger, the world heavyweight champion. I tell you what, world title match during Super Brawl, it is going to be tremendous. And that's not all, Tony, we've got more. Because with an event of this magnitude, I knew I had to go out and find the one person, the one personality, who would do this event justice. And I found him. He's here tonight. That person is his honor, the man who tells it like it is, Jesse the Body Ventura. Well, let me tell you what, Tony Schiavone, it's been a year and a half, and I am pumped up because as far as I'm concerned, WCW is the wrestling of the future. And Jesse the Body, Jesse the Body, the man who tells it like it is, will be the man at Super Brawl to broadcast it from start to finish. I'm pumped up, I've been out of wrestling far too long, and I'm back where I belong. At the time, Watts seemed like a solid choice. In the mid-80s, Watts ran the Mid-South Universal Wrestling Federation, known as the UWF, which was considered the most cutting-edge wrestling promotion in the U.S. at the time. However, no one could have foreseen what was going to happen when Watts took over. At this time, as this revolving door kept going on, I remember, I mean, like it was yesterday, emphatically, that Jimmy Jam and I were dying and hoping that Bill Watts would come in. Bill was such a successful booker in his day when he owned his own territory in Mid-South Wrestling in the UWF. What was the matter then that you didn't have a captain? There was no rudder to the ship. And it just seemed like you had these corporate people who, for better or worse, may, been, may have been trying the hardest they could to make the ship run straight and to be successful. But I don't see how, you know, especially in hindsight or even then in the day, how you could have expected these people without the qualifications, without the experience, and once again, without the passion. It's not just a job, it's a way of life. And these people would think they would have good ideas, and then even if the booker had good ideas, he had to try to sell them to a group of people that didn't know whether they were good or bad ideas. So we wanted somebody that would right the wrongs and come in, and we thought that that was Bill Watts. The only shot that a wrestling person ever had to run the company was Bill Watts. He was an intimidating son of a When they hired him, they, said they, they found that it was Fright Night. When they seen him walk in, buddy, whoa, man, we can't control him with this stupid stuff that we want him to do. The asylum was being run by the uh, inmates. But at this point in time, the inmates got scared, and the people that owned the asylum, they were petrified because he was going to do what he wanted to because he knew it worked. And I can't forget how happy and elated we were when Bill got hired. However, were we wrong? I think when Bill came in, he wanted to send a message to the talent that we're going back to basics. WCW and TBS is going to set the standard for pro wrestling like it always has. We're going to go a different direction than any other promotion. We're not going to be like a macabre cartoon come to life. I think Bill had lost touch in the athlete of that time. We're going to get back to where the wrestlers are kicking tail and taking names in the ring. But we are going to enforce some rules. I think you got to have rules. And then you keep it inside the squared circle 
I did things for effect. I took away the mats around the ring. The main thing is there's no more padding on the floor around the WCW ring. If these guys get slammed on the floor, it's not going to be padding. It's going to be on concrete because we got the men because WCW is the real deal. Oh, my gosh, you're cruel. Hell, all of us had worked all our lives with no mats. What we did is said, we're the tough guys. Uh, Vince is a bunch of wussies. They got to have little mats to fall on. So there was a lot of up upheaval, a lot of unrest in the locker room at that time because Watts came in and laid the hammer down with the discipline and, the, and uh, his rules. And he would find guys, like in his era, in his day. You can't do that there. So Bill, you can't find this. You can't find this guy. And yeah, I was trying to bust contracts. We had no control over the guys. They could get paid whether they showed up or not. Nine million dollars for about 70-some wrestlers on the payroll, and it was just exorbitant. And these guys were, you know, making huge salaries no matter how they produced, how they drew, uh, you know, no matter what. It was a guarantee. It was a guarantee. So I started instilling discipline, and it created a lot of headaches and a lot of animus because they'd had it their own way. The passion and the love for the business uh, was not what it was in the 80s. It all turned a corner. It all changed. Bill had a very no-nonsense approach, and he had no issue getting in a star's face or a beginner's face in front of others to express his opinion of their efforts or lack thereof. If he couldn't get you motivated by telling you and in words, he'd sometimes use a fist. <laughs> yeah, and that would get that, that'd get you motivated. And a lot of guys with major egos never didn't like that. And while he was throwing his weight around, which I'm sure he thought was for the good of the industry, what he was doing was making the product so boring for once again fans. That's all that matters. It's what they want. The biggest thing that them off, I took away, I made it illegal or disqualification to come off the top rope on a guy. Oh my gosh, you're killing the business. No, I'm not. So all it did was you had to do something psychologically that was against the rules. We still had all the high flying. We still had everything going. We turned the thing around. Watts sold the UWF to Jim Crockett about five years earlier, and apparently he had not paid attention to changes in the business during that time. He made some rule changes to make WCW Wrestling more sport-like in appearance. No mats at ringside. No brawling outside the ring. There was no use of the barricades or corner posts as weapons. And the big one, all moves off the top rope, were banned. Yes, they were banned, folks. Banned. Some of these rules were not bad ideas. Such like the brawling outside the ring and weapons bans, making it more professional, you could say. You know, because then the heels would have ways to get heat behind the ref's back, of course. It makes it, You pull things away from fans, it makes you want it more. However, the top rope ban came immediately after Super Brawl had a match of the year candidate by High Flyers Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger. Now, Pillman was getting disqualified for coming off the top rope, with fans hating that match ending every time it happened. 
But while fans were unhappy of some of the rule changes, Watts instituted some rules backstage that caused just as much strife and issue with the workers. Watts instituted the rule that all of the wrestlers had to stay until the final match was over. If you were the curtain jerker at the beginning of the show, you couldn't leave for two and a half hours until the main event was over. Even better, fans, the wrestlers could not bring their wives to TV tapings or have their children in the locker room. You couldn't even kill the two-plus hours of waiting by playing cards in the dressing room. If wrestlers were on the opposite side of the face-heel line, they couldn't talk to each other outside the arena, couldn't stay in the same hotel, or even train in the same gym as another wrestler. But as bad as those and several other new rules were, the wrestlers were most aggravated by Watts' cost-cutting measures, as Watts' pay was not calculated by how much new revenue he got, but rather by how much he cut costs. He got rid of catering at TV tapings. He tried to get people to take a pay cut or wait until their contract expired, then hire them at or to a nightly deal instead. Reportedly, he approached Brian Pillman to take a pay cut, and Pillman refused. Watts threatened to job him out, and Pillman replied that he would be the industry's highest-paying jobber in history. Watts' first pay-per-view was Wrestle War, held on May 17th. For the most part, the card was unspectacular. Diamond Dallas Page and Tommy Rich, or Thomas Rich, over Bob Cook and Firebreaker Chip, the Super Invader, Hercules Hernandez, pinning Todd Champion, Scotty Flamingo, who we now know as Raven, over Marcus Bagwell. The Freebirds won the U.S. Tag Team titles from Terry Taylor and Greg Valentine. Brian Pillman retained the light heavyweight title over Tom Zink in a pretty good match. The Steiners competed in a brutal WCW Tag Title match. The main event was a war games match between the Dangerous Lions, Arn Anderson, Bobby Ian, Steve Austin, Rick Rude, and Larry Zbysko. A great group, uh, I must add, against Sting, Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, Ricky Steamboat, and Nikita Koloff. The main story behind the main event was tension between Sting and Nikita as they feuded the year before. The Alliance lost after Ian submitted after Zabisco hit him with the metal part of a turnbuckle by accident. Larry was fired from the Alliance soon after and was going to be replaced by the Diamond Stud, we all know as Scott Hall. However, Hall quit after a dispute over money at that very show. They had another show the next month called Beach Blast on June 20th. It only drew 5,000 fans, which was a shame, as this was a decent show. Scotty Flamingo won the light heavyweight title from Brian Pillman. Ron Simmons started being groomed for bigger things as he defeated Terry Taylor in a not-so-good match. Greg Valentine wins a solid match against Marcus Alexander Bagwell, and in a wild brawl, mentioned in Mick Foley's book as his best match of his career at the time, Sting won a Falls Count Anywhere match against Cactus Jack. It was followed by an Iron Man match between Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat. Rude and Steamboat did a great job with Steamboat winning 4-3, to three, with seven near falls in the last 30 seconds. Tremendous. Watts' new rules mar the next match as... Wyndham, Rhodes, and Koloff get a DQ victory over Ian, Arn, and Austin. When Arn comes off the top rope after 15 minutes of action. 
in non-wrestling parts of the show. Missy Hyatt wins a bikini contest over Medusa, and Cactus Jack attacks Ricky Steamboat during an interview, which was never really resolved. Kind of what we see now in wrestling. The last match is what was supposed to be a dream match between the Steiners and the team of Steve Williams and Terry Gordy. It goes to a time limit draw. It wasn't as good as you would expect. A few days after this pay-per-view, on June 22nd to be exact, Clash of the Champions 19 aired, which was actually taped on the 16th before the pay-per-view. 20 seconds, 16 teams, 8 countries on the attack for a tag team tournament of global importance. Clash of the Champions, June 22nd at 8.05 Eastern, exclusively on TBS. Watts came to an agreement with the NWA, and the show was the beginning of a tournament to determine new NWA tag champs. Bizarrely, the NWA tourney had different rules than normal WCW matches, as top rope maneuvers and brawling on the floor was allowed. This wasn't a good idea, as fans were confused by the different rules, or angry because this tournament reminded viewers of how dumb the -the off-of-the-top rope ban was. The show itself was very good, though there was a major mistake in booking at the end of the show. Steamboat and Nikita advanced by defeating Joe and D. Malenko. Rude and Austin beat Bagwell and Zink. Gordy and Williams over Larry and Jeff O'Day. The Steiners would get a forfeit when their opponents were attacked in the back. Wyndham and Rhodes advanced past Arn and Eaton. The Freebirds, comprised of Hayes and Garvin, beat the opponents of El Texano and Silver King. Yes, Silver King, folks. Chris Benoit made his WCW debut in a loss with his tag partner, Beef Wellington, to Jushin Liger and Brian Pillman in the best match on the show, by far, I think. Akira Nogami and Hiro Heisei beat the Headhunters, and Angle was run between Harley Race and Ron Simmons, continuing Simmons' push. This was in an angle that made Harley look like a bigot. <laughs> ah, that time in WCW. The show ended with Gordy and Williams defeating the Steiners in the only second round match on the card. A terrible mistake as they gave away on free TV the match that should have been one of the major draws for the tournament finals on pay-per-view. The titles start changing hands with Dick Slater and the Barbarian getting the U.S. tag team titles from Terry Taylor and Greg Valentine. Slater and the Barbarian would be the last U.S. tag champs as the belts are retired a month later on June 25th, which I wasn't too upset about. July 5th, two titles change hands as Brad Armstrong wins the light heavyweight title from Scotty Flamingo, and the Steiners drop the WWE tag titles to Gordy and Williams. At the Omni, Williams and Gordy are getting a major push as they were part of Watts' old UWF crew. WWE had a comic book about the promotion come out this year, produced by Marvel Comics. The book w- was well done but a major source of amusement is during the production time and the release date. Several wrestlers featured prominently in the comic have left the promotion, notably Lex Luger, also El Gigante and Scott Hall. The comic lasted 12 issues before it was canceled. Look out for that, fans. Try to find that on eBay. A new wrestler came into WCW who immediately got a big push. His name was Eric Watts, Cowboy Bill Watts' son. Whatever potential the kid might have had, he was given he was way too green to be on TV, let alone get any sort of push, and he was given this opportunity, of course, because of his dad. 
how wrestling is so cyclical. We see the same situation with Eric Bischoff and his son Garrett. Bill started using Eric after he only been in the power plant for a very short time, against the advice of the trainers. A match he has at this year's Starcade exposes how unready Eric was as he throws a dropkick that hits his opponent in the knee. The fans boo Eric at every show, and the other wrestlers resent him as they are fighting for their own jobs. Eric's career is majorly damaged before it ever really began, as he never really recovered from that. Watts' bad booking decision for the NWA tournament hurts the Great American Bash, as it only draws 8,000 fans live and a .4 buy rate for the Great American Bash. Despite their presence on the show's advertising, the Steiners are out of the tournament. The second-round action sees Nikita and Steamboat over Liger and Pillman. Wyndham and Dustin advance past Austin and Rude, with Hirohase and Hashimoto getting past the Freebirds. The semifinals have Gordon Williams defeat Koloff and Steamboat, with Dustin and Barry advancing past the two Japanese stars. Sting loses the world title to Big Van Vader. Gordian Williams beat Dustin and Barry to win the NWA Tag Team titles, thus unifying the NWA and WCW Tag Titles in the finals of the tournament. Yet another mistake that makes the entire tournament a major waste of time. Why have a tournament for a second tag title if you immediately unify it with the other tag title? Especially since Watts proceeds to de-emphasize the NWA. After the bash on July 12th, WCW would not have another pay-per-view until October after Watts cancels a couple of scheduled pay-per-view shows. A house show in Baltimore heats up WCW on August 2nd. Early in the show, Sting is attacked by Jake the Snake Roberts when he comes out of the crowd. Sting receives two DDTs on a steel chair and can't wrestle in his world title match against the champ Big Van Vader. In a drawing out of a hat, Ron Simmons gets the match and wins to become the first African-American world champion. Back in the old Mid-South Territory, the Junkyard Dog was a huge draw, and Watts hoped that lightning would strike twice with Simmons. Welcome back to WCW Saturday Night. Jim Ross and Cowboy Bill Watts back with you. And as Big Van Vader thought perhaps he may have the night off for the World's Heavyweight Championship because Sting would be unable to compete thanks to Jake the Snake Roberts, Cowboy Bill Watts went to the ring and made a major announcement. Well, Jim, when I came here, I said the first thing we have to do is rebuild our credibility with our fans that our fans are the most important aspect of our wrestling business because they pay their hard-earned money to come and they deserve to get what they paid for. And they had paid for a world's title bout. So with the situation that happened, I thought it was as fair as we could take it. We had seven to start with. We had ended up with eight guys that put their name in in in, in the bag and it was drawn randomly and it was Ron Simmons. Certainly Harley Race and Big Van Vader have an excuse. Everybody needs an excuse, don't they? When you're a world's champion, that means you're a world's champion. You've got to be ready to take on anybody and everybody, anywhere. But I'll say one thing. Baltimore, you got it because we believe that the fans are important and we gave them the title match. Fans, let's go back to Baltimore and see exactly how the drawing transpired. Ladies and gentlemen, with a very important announcement, I introduce the Executive Vice President for Wrestling Operations in World Championship Wrestling, Cowboy Bill Watts. I understand there's an important announcement. Thank you, Gary. You know, I'm sure it takes some time to get to the bottom of all this. I've been in this business too long. 
to where everything just comes out on the surface is as it originally looks. However, I want to say one thing to everybody here in Baltimore. You paid to see a world's title match. And by golly, you're going to have one. What we've done, what we've done, we've got seven top contenders. And we're going to bring them out here and we're going to have a drawing. They're going to put their names in this sack and we're going to have a drawing. We want to get all the names in the sack and then, Jerry, we're going to let you draw. And whoever you draw out of that sack is going to wrestle Big Van Vader for the world's title here tonight. Gary, we're going to have you make the drawing, and whoever you pick that comes out of that sack. Wait a minute. Ain't no world title matches going down around here without my name in the sack. I'm the United States champion. I am the number one contender. Without a doubt, as a U.S. champion, you're the number one contender. Put your name in it. All right, everybody, we're adding to the list Ravishing Rick Rude. Here we go. We're all mixed up. The All-American Ron Simmons! All right, that's the luck of the draw. Ron, Ron Simmons, if you go back to the dressing room, we'll give you some time to get ready, and then you're going to wrestle Vader for the world's time. You know how long I've waited for this. If it's going down, let's get it over with. So Ron Simmons is the lucky man. He's designated to take on Big Van Vader. Billy didn't want to wait. He was ready to get it on right then. That's right. That's what every athlete should be. You don't have to wait. You don't have to make an appointment a month down the line. You don't have to go, I got to get in shape. You're supposed to be in shape. And I'll say one thing. Harley was griping, but Big Van Vader didn't back off an inch. And he pummeled and punished and made Simmons pay a tremendous price. Simmons had to wonder what he was into. He was tested to the max. And we don't have time for the whole event, but we're going to show you the closing moments. But it was a greatest victory. People in Baltimore were so excited. Our crew was excited. Our camera crew, the announcers. I've never seen such an electrifying event. That's wrestling. That's living. That's the way it ought to be. Fans, let's go see how Ron Simmons made history. Raider sends him in. The Irish whips. Oh, nobody there. Simmons moves. He's got it cradled. But Fender too strong. He powered out. Simmons goes to the ropes. They get some leverage. And... Simmons is on the air, rushes out of the challenger's body. The champion back up. Back in control is Big Van Vader. In this hard-hitting battle for the heavyweight championship of the world. Vader now in control. Going for a waistlock. And Vader's got him up. Boy, went over his back. Got agility by Simmons. And Simmons, he got him in a power slam. He got him in a power slam. He got, he got it. Simmons got it. Simmons has won the match. Simmons is a champion. Simmons has won.
I'll never experience that again. That's an emotion that I can't put in words that is that you really get once. Unmatched by any feelings I've ever had. The championship was becoming more and more difficult to maintain in the early 1990s. Simmons, a two-time All-American at Florida State. Bader, another former pro football star. The enigmatic Sting and Ric Flair, who had returned to WCW, all had tenures as the world champion. There's no feeling in all of sports like he's going through right now. I think Vader was a great champion. Vader has won it! Vader has won the world title! So big and so agile that you had never seen anybody like him before. Did a good job in that time period in the early 90s when WCW was kind of floundering. Woo! Sting was one of the guys I grew up enjoying. Sting was the face of the organization for a while. It was kind of the WCW poster board for their company. You know, Sting did a lot of, a lot of hard work in putting WCW on the map. But in 1993, the lineage of the championship got murky. WCW was trying to break away from the traditional ways of wrestling and was attempting to create its own identity. WCW withdrew from the National Wrestling Alliance and proceeded to crown a series of exceptional champions. To be a former World Heavyweight Champion or to be the current World Heavyweight Champion is, in my opinion, one of the highest honors out there. The circumstances leading to the match and the entire match are shown on the weekend shows. Over in Japan, Masahiro Chono defeats Rick Rude in the finals of the NW World Title Tournament on August 12th. They have a rematch at Halloween Havoc. Welcome back, everyone, to WCW Saturday Night. Jim Ross back with you. As we have been seeing the last few weeks, Tony Schiavone's been doing some terrific in-depth interviews. This week he was scheduled to talk to Jake the Snake Roberts, but Jake the Snake refused to talk to Tony. He wanted the interview conducted by Cactus Jack, and here's how that unique conversation went. This is Cactus Jack for WCW, introducing a man who needs no introduction, but will get one from me anyhow. Jake the Snake Roberts, welcome to my little session here. I want to talk to you about a number of subjects. One of them, a man who's on everyone's minds here in World Championship Wrestling, the Stinger. Seems that just recently the two of you had a meeting and one of you came out a little bit the worse for wear. Would you like to explain why? Well, I've never liked Baltimore and I've never liked Sting. You know that. Yeah. But I'll tell you something, Sting. It's not personal. You're the marquee player in WCW. That's what it's all about. When I came in, I was not under contract. No. No dues to be paid. All I'm saying was, I got to step up here and do something I feel like will reach out and grab everybody right by the throat and strangle them right down. That's what I've done. Simple. In other words, when it comes to Sting, you don't really need a reason, just an opportunity. <laughs> the way I see it, now let's talk about another man, a man who's captured a lot of imaginations along the way to becoming the new world heavyweight champion, Ron Simmons. Where do you see yourself in relation to the champion, Ron Simmons? Everybody deserves a little. Ron Simmons, you deserve a lot. The athlete that you are, the man that you claim to be, or the man that you really are. That's what I want to know. Because you see, Ron Simmons, to achieve a goal is very simple. Every dog has a day. Right? Every dog has a day. But to hold on, to keep it, that's the real test. And someday, you will be elected to be tested. 
you don't mind me asking, let's go on to a personal subject, one that's very dear to my pea-sized heart, and that's Dustin Rhodes, a young upstart, a coming superstar, the son I hear legend of, the legend in professional wrestling, Dusty Rhodes. He wrestled, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Didn't he? What do, you got in, what do you got in store for his little boy? Let me tell you something about the American dream. No doubt in anybody's mind, probably the most exciting man step inside the ring up until I stepped inside that ring. But you, Dustin Rhodes, what part of the loin did you come from? Are you truly a chip off the old block or just a poor imitation? It was not my fault. It was not my intention to injure him. But my gosh, I'm walking down the aisle at the Omni. This guy takes his head and runs it right into my chest. Now, I don't care who you are, how tough you are, but you stick your nose into my chest, then I've got to remove it. And that's simply all I've done. I didn't really abuse the kid. I mean, abusing children is not something I do. And he is a child, believe me, when it comes to a men's game like this. So, Dustin Rose, do yourself a favor. Go back home and sit on Daddy's knee and keep away from people like Cactus Jack and myself. That's correct. That's a very good point, Jake. I like the way you're starting to sound. Let me ask you about another subject. What about Big Van Vader, the man who took Sting's crown? Where do you see his future in WCW? I don't know what it is about things that I shouldn't do, but it just seems like ever since I was a child, the things that I shouldn't do were always the most fun. Big Vader, there will be a time that I'll have to test you also. Because you see, if you're going to rule the roost, you got to not only knock on the left door and the right door, you have to knock on the middle door, you have to check the windows, you have to go down back, you got to do it all. Now, I'll tell you something else about Sting. Let's get back to him. I mean, Vader was the man that, well, dethroned the champion. But how did Sting, where did it start with you? I mean, did it start with my little uh, bird dog here? Huh? You are my little doggy, aren't you? Do you have a position for a good hunting dog there, oh, Jake? brother, do we have a position for you? Look at you right now, all dressed up, man, doing this segment now. We don't need no Tony Schiavone. We got you out here. You're the superstar. But you're my good dog, man. Every dog needs an owner like me. And we're going to do what it takes. If it started at the box, it started at the box. Remember that, Sting? I remember boxes, Jake. Yeah. Well, remember this, Sting. We're still here. For WCW, this is Ben Cactus Jack. Bang, bang. September 2nd of 1992 airs the 20th Clash of the Champions, which is a celebration of wrestling's 20th year of wrestling on WTBS. Clips of wrestlers from the past are shown, and special guests appear, including Andre the Giant, what would be Andre's last U.S. TV appearance before his death. Action includes Ricky Steamboat defeating Steve Austin for the TV title, Anderson and Eaton over Dick Slater and Greg Valentine, who are managed by Larry Zabisco, and Simmons beating Cactus Jack in a world title defense. Cactus was injured during the match, but still came out to commentate during the Barbarian Butch Reed win over Wyndham and Rhodes. Cactus, Reed, the Barbarian, and Roberts were supposed to form a stable, but Reed would soon be fired after the show. In the main event, it was an elimination match between Rude, Roberts, Vader, and the Super Invader against Sting, Nikita, and the Steiners. Rude and Roberts survive, winning the match for their team. 
The show is done at center stage, so it only draws 500 fans due to the space, but receives a 3.7 rating. The show is also notable for the turn of Brian Pillman as he slaps Brett Armstrong, who is on crutches, and the ban on the top rope maneuvers is voted on. The vote is decidedly against the ban and is dropped soon after. Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes defeat Terry Gordy and Steve Williams for the unified tag team titles on September 21st in Atlanta. Gordy demands more money a few weeks later and is given the boot. Also gone are the Steiners. Scott Steiner had won the TV title back on September 29th and stripped of it when the team left. Watts wanted them to sign for less money and they were currently making much more than offered and they refused to take less. Amazingly, Watts lets them out of their contract early and they show up in the WWF way before they should have. WCW uses a mini-movie to set up the Jake Roberts Sting match at the next pay-per-view, Halloween Havoc. This is one of my fondest memories of this era of WCW. And the the uh, off-the-top rope rule has been voted on the 900 number. 88% want the rule rescinded. A bigger landslide than when you were elected mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Almost bigger. I want, I have 90%. Fans, this Saturday on WCW Saturday night, Michael Hayes will lead Arn Anderson. And beautiful Bobby to the ring to take on the Steiner Brothers. That's this Saturday night at 6.05 Eastern Time right here on TBS. We've got a lot more to come, but right now, let's take a very special look at Halloween Havoc coming your way October 25th. Yeah, I'm here, so what's the deal? Sting, I'm going to finish 
When I started in Baltimore, when I get done with you, you wish you'd never been born. <laughs> you talk too much. Get to the point. What's the deal? Sting, relax. What's your hurry? I'm gonna take my time and enjoy this moment. Cut the crap! We'll have to come over there and kick your... Sting, you don't get it, do you, man? You don't have a clue! Look around you! This is my playground. These are my people. I'm smiling, not you. It's come down to this. You see, the deal is on the wheel. At Halloween Havoc, your worst nightmare will come true. Twelve of the toughest and most brutal matches in wrestling. That's right, that's right, brutal! Brutal! You see on the wheel, there's a cage match, there's a barbed wire match, there's a death match. Oh, there might even be a mystery match. But you see, the deal is, man, you gotta step up and spin that wheel. Once you spin it, where it stops, that's what you and I are gonna do. And what happens? Well, we both go in the ring. One man comes out. The other? <laughs> well, no. You think I'm afraid of some wheel? You think I'm afraid of you? Step out of the fog, Sting. Clear your head. You're not thinking. I'm the master of all these matches. This is no game for me. This is fun, but it's not a game. We play it on my turf and my terms. So good luck, Sting. You're gonna need it. <laughs> So what are you waiting for? Let's do it now. To be continued. At Halloween Havoc 92. October 25th, live, only on pay-per-view. Halloween Havoc on October 25th, Freddie Miller, where do you got to say about that? WCW, TBS, and Halloween Havoc. Don't miss it. Be there. Good night, everybody. Thanks for watching. The match's gimmick is called Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. Several gimmick matches are put on the wheel, and after spinning it, whatever match is landed on, Roberts and Sting will wrestle in. The feud between the two gets WCW their highest pay-per-view rating to that point for the October 25th show of a .9 rating. 7,000 fans were in attendance. However, the wheel ends up on probably the worst gimmick match existed ever on a wheel, not to mention during this era. The worst match you could have picked or have hoped to have gotten a coal miner's glove match. For anything that happens and spin the wheel, make the deal at Halloween Havoc. Anybody have any questions or comments re regarding this situation, Sting? I have absolutely no problems with signing a waiver and I have no problems with any of the matches on the wheel. Remember something, Jake, the wheel spins for both of us, not just one of us. Get ready, Sting. Get really ready. Because you have no idea what you're stepping into. You look at that one, and what does it tell you? 
What does it tell you? Spinner's choice. Doesn't that create a little doubt in your mind? Doesn't it? It should. I got no problems with any mystery matches, whatever you have. It doesn't matter to me. And by the way, Jake, you better concentrate on one thing. Don't let your mouth override your butt, pal. Think about that. You're the one that should be thinking at this point, maybe. All right. Well, what would you guys sign the waiver? And what they're talking about, of course, is the Spinner's Choice match is a match that Jake Roberts has devised that's put under the Spinner's Choice. And if, if when the wheel spins, it comes up on Spinner's Choice, then Sting has to wrestle him in that kind of match. And since none of that's been revealed at this time, we want the waiver absolving us from any liability. And that's what they're signing now. Jake Roberts has executed the contract. And now we await the signature of the Stinger. It's a foolish mistake you just made, Sting. Because you know something? I'll be the one responsible for ending your career. And believe me, brother, I will not feel anything. I will be comfortably numb when I lay you out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the contracts have been fully executed. Any more statements, gentlemen, before we go to our break? Good luck. You're going to need it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the contracts have been fully executed. Uh, it's a done deal, fans. And we'll be back with more on WCW Saturday. Make the deal. But wrestling match with a spin of the wheel reveal. Find out at WCW Halloween Havoc 92. Sunday, October 25th, live on pay-per-view. Call your local cable operator for availability. The match isn't very good, shockingly, huh, right, folks? And it ends with a very fake-looking angle of Jake getting bit on the face by a cobra. When he clearly is holding it to his face. Other action includes Zank, Gunn, and Douglas over Arn, Eaton, and Hayes. Steamboat defeats Pillman, while Vader pins Nikita Koloff. Wyndham and Rhodes retain the unified tag team titles in a draw with Williams and Austin. Rude gets a DQ victory over NWA champ Masahiro Chono. And believe it or not, Ron Simmons defends the WCW world title against the Barbarian. Simmons keeps the title, of course. Soon after Havoc, Roberts is gone from WCW. I remember this was such a disappointing result. I remember seeing the promos on Superstation 605 every Saturday night, and they were prepping up the vignettes of Jake Roberts spinning the wheel. I remember a bar, being in a bar and spinning the wheel, or a dungeon, and taunting Sting. What match are we going to get, Stinger? And then I just was so disappointed. A coal miner's glove match? What's the big deal? I have all the options. That's what we got. Uh, it was it boggled me even as a young kid. So excited for this non-WWF show. A show featuring a quote-unquote turncoat, Jake Roberts leaving my promotion and going to WCW. And they had me hooked. They had a WWF fan hooked. It let me down with the coal miners glove fans. Go and say no, we continue. All right, fans, Tony Schiavone is standing by. Let's go to Tony right now. 
Okay, Jim, thank you very much. Earlier on in Halloween Havoc, Ravishing Rick Rude, I guess, retained the U.S. title. Thanks to Big Van Vader, Paulie Dangerously, Harley Racer. And let's give credit where credit is due. It was all my idea to start with. And it was an honor to give half of the winner's purse to Harley Race. It was an honor to give half of the winner's purse to Big Van Vader because I am the man that engineered it all. I am the reason for Rick Rude's success. It's all me, 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 Paul E. Well, well, Medusa's here. I want to thank Mr. Harley Race and Mr. Van Vader, Revishing Rick Rude, and the First Lady at WCW for winning the heavyweight title. I've had it with you. I've had it with you. I have had it with you since day one. I've had it with you. First of all, let's get one thing straight. I am the brains. I am the muscle. I am the dangerous alliance. You know why? Because I am a man. M-A-N. Dominant. Superior. Number one. The brains. The boss. The man in control. You're just a woman. Nothing but a woman. Inferior. Subservient. Nothing more than a chick that takes orders. You, Medusa, have been good for one year for one thing. And that one thing has been to take care of each and every one of Ravishing Rick needs. But between you and me, man to man, the reason that I hired you for that job is because the other hooker that I had in mind had a previous obligation. Let me spell it out for you, woman, female, so that even a woman can understand. I am a man, man, man. You are a woman, 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 which means, damn it, you are fired, fired, fired. And because you're a woman, and I know that means that you're stupid, I'll spell it out for you. F-I-R-E-D, fired. Situation. 
I'll tell you what. I love it. I love it. Where else but WCW do you see action like this, Jim Ross? Well, the thing about it, Jess, is that, number one, Paulie is right. He did hire her. She works for him, or shall we say, she did work for him. I know and you know that Ravishing Rick Rude is the number one man in the entire Dangerous Alliance. Now, how is he going to react if Medusa is not there to take care, as Paul said, of his every need? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Will Paulie bring in somebody else to do Medusa's job? Obviously, she's fired. Obviously, there's going to be no reconciliation after what we just witnessed right there. We know that Medusa endured three years of intensive training in Japan. She's been a kickboxer. She's a martial arts expert. She kicked Paul Lee right in the head, and he says he can beat her with one hand tied behind him. Yeah, but like Paul Lee said, she's a woman. Well, she is a very tough woman. I know that, obviously, we have not heard the last of this situation. Fans, it's time to spin the wheel. And we will make a deal. Let's go up to Gary Capetta. Shame. Well, ladies and gentlemen, at this time... Clash of the Champions 21 returns to WTBS on November 18th. Brian Pillman pins Brad Armstrong after Pillman fakes an injury that goes on the attack. The referee tries to DQ Pillman, but Brian gleefully informs him that he can't because the match hadn't started. The match starts and Brian pins Brad in a few seconds. Scotty Flamingo beats Johnny B. Bat in an awful boxing match with the help from Dallas Page and Vinny Vegas. Arn and Eaton lose to Kensuke Sasaki and Eric Watts. Watts gets the submission victory over Eaton. In previous weeks on the weekend shows, Tony Atlas, the Barbarian, and Cactus Jack were attacking rookie Bobby Walker, with Ron Simmons helping the youngster. A handicap match was set up for the clash but Walker was injured, kayfabe, before the show. Simmons said he would have a mystery partner for the show. He delivered as a young black wrestler joined him, who has some spectacular moves. The newcomer, Pinned Atlas, debuting the 450 splash to the national audience. The newcomer isn't named during the match. That's why you're wondering why didn't Shaw mention it. It didn't happen until the post-match interview where he gives them his name as Too Cold Scorpio. Medusa wrestled Paul E. dangerously to a draw. They started feuding when the Dangerous Alliance broke up. Sting and Rude wrestled to a draw in the King of Cable tournament. Sting advanced by a judge's decision. Wyndham and Rhodes lost the tag titles to Steamboat and Douglas. And Wyndham turning heel in a very good angle. Steamboat received an accidental low blow and Dustin refused to take advantage of the injury. Despite Wyndham's instructions. Wyndham tags himself in and gives Steamboat several atomic knee drops. Eventually, Douglas gets involved to cause Wyndham to lose. Dustin walks away from Wyndham after the match, but Barry calls him back and attacks him. Barry then attacks Steamboat and Douglas with a chair during an interview. Simple, basic, and effective. Fans, as we said before we went to the break at the Clash of the Champions live here on TBS, it's going to be Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham defending all the gold, the Unified World Tag Team Championship against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas. Ricky Steamboat, a former partner of yours, you won the World Tag Team Championship with him. Jake Roberts said that there's still big problems with you and Barry Windham, a problem regarding jealousy. Is it true or not? The Clash of Champions, the match has been signing. It's not true, Jim, you know. I can't wait for this. This is a big day. This is a big night. Ricky is a very close friend of mine, and so is Shane Douglas. But Barry and myself are the Unified World Tag Team Champions. 
And believe you me, when we step in that ring, it's going to be a mad classic. It's going to be something that people look on years down the road and say, that was a tremendous match. And I can't wait, Jim. Of course, it'll be live. We're being joined here by Ricky Steamboat. Ricky, congratulations. You and Shane Douglas, what a matchup. Well, you heard some comments there. I know you guys are excited also about this matchup on the 18th. Well, that's, that's very true, Jim. But, you know, I know this is Dustin's interview time, but I just wanted to come out here in front of everybody. And on behalf of Shane Douglas and myself, I'm sure everybody knows that Dustin and I go back go back a little bit, you know, being tag team partners and all that, but just like to thank you for uh, giving Shane and myself the opportunity on the next clash for those world tag belts. Really, thank you. Ricky, yes, as you and I both know, opportunity does knock very few times for people like me and you. And Shane, it's knocking for you right now. So the Clash of Champions, I just got one thing to say to you. Bring all you got, but bring just a little bit more. Quite a challenge, ladies and gentlemen. I know you'll be ready. I'll be ready. You know something, Dustin? Uh, that's, that's strong, but I like his attitude. We'll be there. Should be a competitive matchup. Fans, Teddy Long is standing by with Dustin's partner, Barry Wyndham, who's coming up in just a few moments, and the King of Cable. Let's go back to Teddy at the locker room. Thanks, Jim. You know, Barry Wyndham, there's one thing I've got to ask you. In just a few moments, you're going to be stepping into the ring in one of our first big main event matches here in our King of Cable competition, and you're going to be taking on ravishing Rick Rude, a man that has held on to that United States title. And, Barry, you have to admit, Rick Rude is one of the toughest men here in WCW. Well, I'll tell you, Teddy, ravishing Rick Rude didn't get the United States Heavyweight Championship just handed to him. It wasn't given to him. And he had to prove himself time and time again. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to step out there in the first round of this King of Cable tournament. And I'm just going to show him how good I am. And we'll find out how good he is. Well, certainly, fans, you've heard the comments from Barry Windham. This match is set to go. So we're going to find out just how Barry Windham will favor with Ravishing Rick Rude. Now, let's go back to the ring. All right, Teddy, we'll go back to the ring in just a few moments. And Jake Roberts earlier today, and that should be a tremendous matchup, Wyndham and, uh, and uh, uh, Ravishing Rick Root. Earlier today, you spent some time with Tony Schiavone. We're going to hear that interview in a few moments. Any insight to that? Oh, you're going to love it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, fans, uh, as we mentioned earlier today, Tony caught up with Jake the Snake Roberts. They were up close. Here's how it went. You know, this is actually the second time Jake the Snake Roberts has been with us on WCWF Close. The first time he requested Cactus Jack conduct the interview, and this time he's consented to sit with me on WCWF Close. And certainly, Jake, when you first came into WCW, you came in saying you wanted to be the, the standard bearer, the main man, and, and certainly you took a lot of steps hasn't towards changed, that. Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Took a lot of steps towards that, and I'm speaking primarily about back in Baltimore, first time you came into WCW on the 2nd of August. And certainly, uh, that made a big statement right there because Sting felt the wrath of the of the DDT that night. Yeah, the DDT. You know something gets me about the DDT? Everybody out there knows, and all the wrestlers know, it's the very best hold in professional wrestling today, bar none. The most devastating, you don't get up and walk away from it. It will give you a new light in life. When somebody hits you with it, you know what's going on now. If Jake the Snake hits you with it, you haven't got a clue for a few days of what's going on. When I first came to WCW, I seen about eight or ten guys out there trying to use it. Do you remember those days yes, when you would see it nearly every match? You don't see it no more, though, do you? You know why? Because when I walk down the halls, brother, and I look at people, they know that if they use something that I do, better than anybody else in this world, that I'll be using it on them. Now, would you want me on you? No, no you'd back off. That's what they've done. 
Well, let's talk about some of the athletes in WCW. What about, uh, let's talk about world champion Ron Simmons, the man who's at the top. Great man. Great man, great champion, great athlete. Only problem is this, Ron Simmons. Sooner or later, you're going to be elected to pay that price. And it's a price you cannot afford to pay. Because when you play with a snake, you're going to be bitten. And you don't mind waiting, do you? No, I wouldn't either. Just like Sting's going to wait. But when the time is right, I'll reach out and I'll touch you. Speaking of snake and being bitten, what's your reaction to the... Uh, being bitten. Well, You're a real funny man, aren't you? What's your reaction to the, to the latest from Cowboy Bill Watts about uh, no more serpents at ringside with Jake the Snake? You know, that's what gets me about WCW. Sometimes they come out here and they want to slap that hand, you know? They want to throw a rule down. You throw down what you've got to, Bill Watts. I can understand that. But let me tell you something. You missed the page. You missed the whole dartboard when you said, let's borrow the serpent from the ring. The DDT is the serpent. I am Jake the Snake. The reptile in the bag was just that. A simple reptile in a bag. Now next week, Dustin Rhodes, sitting on daddy's knee, aren't you? You should be. It's a safe place. King of Cable, you and I, it's time for me to rush out and touch you. And when I lay a hand down, it's not no slap on the wrist like Bill Watts might do. I hit the mark, man. I hit the mark real hard and real clear. Enjoy your week, because next week, I'll enjoy it. Okay. Jake the Snake Roberts on WCW Up Close. December 28th saw the last pay-per-view of the year, Starcade, the Lethal Lottery Battle Bowl. Van Hammer. Dan Spivey went over B-Bad, or should I say Johnny B-Bad, and Cactus Jack. Vader and Dustin pinned the Barbarian and Kintsuki Sasaki. Muda and Wyndham advanced past Pillman and Two Cold Scorpio. Williams and Sting advanced over Liger and Watts in a battle bowl contest. Muda won the battle royal after. In the title matches, Douglas and Steamboat retained against Wyndham and Pillman. Williams is disqualified in his WCW title match against Ron Simmons. Chono beats Muda by submission in their NWA title match. Sting also defeated Vader in the King of the Cable Tournament Finals. It drew 8,000 fans and got a .5 pay-per-view rating. Two days later, the Ron Simmons experiment concludes as Vader retakes the title in Baltimore, the same place the initial title switch took place. Simmons never connected with the fans, as he wasn't a good interview at that time before he said one word that made him a star. Watts also didn't book him very well with the title defenses against people like the Barbarian, and usually not in the main event. It was kind of similar to now, where you had the World Heavyweight title and the WWE title. At the time, it was monumental with Simmons winning the first African-American champion, but he didn't give him much of a chance in terms of challengers and promotion for his matches. The Robert Sting match was the last match on Halloween Havoc, not the world title for Simmons being involved. Simmons' champ was not drawing fans to house shows as, as attendance was in the hundreds. You can also say maybe it was due to the lack of promotion. 
Welcome back, everyone, to WCW Saturday Night. Thanks very much for being with us here again. Now, don't forget to join me tomorrow night on AM 750 WSB. We'll be taking your telephone calls. I'm sure a lot of you are going to talk about Starcade 92 coming to Atlanta's Omni on Monday, December 28th, exclusively on pay-per-view. We've also got an outstanding broadcast for you tomorrow at 6.05 here on TBS, the main event. Hope you'll join us for that one as well. Now, our colleague, Tony Schiavone, recently caught up with the Vice President of Wrestling Operations for WCW, Cowboy Bill Watts. Here's how that conversation went. Welcome back to WCW Up Close, and I'm very happy to be talking with the Executive Vice President, the man in charge of wrestling operations with World Championship Wrestling, Cowboy Bill Watts. And Bill, thanks a lot for your time. A lot of questions uh, going on in World Championship Wrestling. I wanted to ask you to, to uh, maybe uh, address some of the issues for us. Uh, we saw not too long ago, as a matter of fact, last week, right here on WCW Saturday night, uh, after a brawl, Sting came out with a two-by-four, broke it over the back of Big Van Vader. What, what's your, what do you think about that? Well, two things, uh, Tony. First of all, people are always asking me, when are you going to clean up WCW, or, or when are you going to stop all the things that happen? You can make all the rules and regulations you want, and you can't stop or totally control an emotional sport like wrestling, like pro football, like ice hockey, like anything else. So I don't advocate that Sting use a two before. However, I'd, I've often used in this example Dusty Rhodes, myself, Ole Anderson, Thunderbolt Patterson, right. all the great wrestlers of the past certainly didn't go cry to the officials and the referees to handle their dirty work for them. So sometimes you got to fight fire with fire. And I guarantee you, Vader and all the things they've done to Sting, I think he's about up to here. And I was really glad to see him break out and really go ballistic a little bit and take matters in his own hand. I guess I have to be. You know, years ago, I walked tall with the two before also. Right. And it's pretty dadgum effective. Well, well, Vader has been involved with many things. Uh, he broke the, the back of young Joe Thurman. Uh, many people have written in to say, how can... A guy like this continue to uh, to compete in World Championship Wrestling doing things like that. And I'm sure he's lost a great deal of money because of his actions. Well, first of all, it was a legal maneuver, the powerbomb. That's right. He was in a handicap match. He was against two guys. Right. Injuries happened. You know, I remember Fred the Hammer Williams when he played for the Oakland Raiders. He was an intimidator. And I know down deep, whenever he put somebody out of commission, he didn't, he wasn't gloating over the fact their career was over. But the tough hit, when you're full of that adrenaline, and that's your job, right. you certainly get excited about it. And when you're an intimidator, you're, gonna, you're not going to back down and apologize on public TV. I know Big Vader, that I, certainly he's not proud of Joe Thurman's injury, mm -hmm. but when he gave him that powerbomb and put him away, he's not going to back off from it either. Just like, you know, the, the injuries to Joe Theismann or to uh, Utley or all these different guys that get right. hurt, the guy that does it to him doesn't want it to be a career-ending injury. Mm -hmm. But when you're pumped full of adrenaline, it's a contact sport, and you're wanting to whack them good and hard, you're so exhilarated that it, when you do something really cold, hard, and crisp, it excites you. Speaking of intimidators, oh, one of the biggest intimidators in WCW has to be uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. And uh, basically, what I want you to talk about is the situation going on between Rude and your son, Eric. Just last week, he made the challenge to Eric, uh, and he's made it personal between himself and the Watts family. What's your feeling on this whole situation? Well, unfortunately, you can't divorce the two. Uh, my son, Eric, who came into pro wrestling, is getting a lot of heat from a lot of sources, a lot of it because of me. But he's had to deal with that his entire life. If I was just directing his career, I would not want him to take on somebody like Rude yet. I just don't think it's quite time he doesn't have the experience. But I can't protect him. And I'm not the one that's directing his career. We have a booking committee. 
And I want to say one thing. I don't think Eric really would go out and seek Rick Rude because Rick Rude is one of the top wrestlers in the world today. However, Eric is not going to back down. And when you're called out, you may as well go step forward and, and, and try them on. They still put their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah, some of them are a heck of a lot tougher. But you've got to get into it. You've got you to be there. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. So as a father, yes, I'm concerned for Eric because I don't want him to get a career-ending injury because of the animosity developed by these other guys. But I'll say another thing. Do you think Rick Rude or anybody would cut anybody any slack that they thought was a rookie? Do you think they'd give them any break? They're like wolves out there, right. and they're preying on the weaker. weaker. So it's the, it's the law of survival in professional sports. And if Eric's going to survive, he's got to kick it in gear. Okay, one final question for you. We're in the midst of, of a tremendous youth movement in World Championship Wrestling with Eric, with Dustin Rhodes, with this youngster, Too Cold Scorpio. Why the youth movement in World Championship Wrestling, Bill? Well, when I came back to wrestling, most of the stars in professional wrestling were stars when I sold my business. Right. Most of the stars for the WWF and most of the stars here. And they're great athletes, but it's just like any other team, like a team in the NFL. When it gets to where all of its stars have been around for a long, long time, they sometimes get kind of set in their ways, they get a comfort zone, and they also, it gets a little bit stale. One thing about it, people want to see what's new and different. There hasn't been a lot of new in wrestling. And I think youth has always got to be integrated into whatever you have. They've got to be thrown in there. They've got to realize that if they can knock some of these top guys off, it creates an opportunity for them to become the star. Where were all these guys nine, ten years ago that are the stars of today? They were climbing and clawing their way to the top. Right. Now they've been there a long time. I think it's great to have some people that haven't had the opportunity to be exposed and to be shown and to give given the chance to try to move up and take those top positions. And I think all the fans at home are going to be the beneficiary of all this action with these fresh people. Okay, Bill. Listen, thanks a lot for your time. Well, thank right. you, Tony. All right. Bill Watts on WCW Up Close. On January 4th of 1993, the NWA world title changes hands over in Japan as Chono loses to the Great Muta. Parts of the match are shown on WCW programming later that month, and what is shown, it appears to be a very good match. As 93 started off, Watts was under fire. The ratings, house show attendance, and pay-per-view buy rates were failing, falling dramatically. Watts wasn't helping himself either with several incidents during meetings with his bosses where he showed disrespect to his supervisors. And an interview which fellow Turner employee Hank Aaron found racist. There were also reports that he told undercard wrestlers to dog it so they wouldn't upstage his main eventers. And his bosses felt that all the shows looked alike and the feuds had little continuity from week to week. I think we need some of that scrutiny today. Interesting enough, things looked pretty good for WSW at the time. For the year and a half since his departure, fans had been chanting, We want Flair at every show. Reports were that Flair was about to leave the WWF and return to WCW. Also, Watts had arranged a working agreement with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He had hired some new talents to WSW, such as Chris Benoit, Max Payne, Robbie V, we know him as Rob Van Dam, The Wrecking Crew, Steve Regal, and WCW was talking to the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. Paul Orndorff, Sid Vicious, and Eddie Gilbert were returning, and there was a working arrangement with New Japan Wrestling. Watts had, an, he had a hot angle that turned Cactus Jack face at the beginning of the year. Rick Rude was injured in a match, and he was supposed to wrestle in a tag team cage match on the upcoming Clash of the Champions. 
Harley Race had a match between Cactus Jack and Paul Orndorff to determine who was going to take Rude's place. Cactus takes exception to Race shoving him and manhandling Harley. Vader comes down, and the three of them destroy Jack. Later, during an interview, Jack gets his revenge against the threesome using a metal shovel. Jack beats them severely and knocks around the guys out of the back who come out to break it up. Orndorff was not under contract, and this angle was probably his last shot at working for a major company. Thanks to the strength of the angle, Orndorff ends up getting a job and takes the bookings for the injured Rude. Mr. Wonderful was in WCW. Due to Rude's injury, the U.S. title he held since November of 1991 is put up in a tournament. Dustin Rhodes wins the finals over Ricky Steamboat on January 11th. The Clash of the Champions takes place on January 13th. Cactus Jack pins Johnny B. Bad. Two Cold Scorpio beats Scotty Flamingo. Chris Benoit defeats Brett Armstrong. The Wrecking Crew beats Johnny Gunn and Tom Zink. Vinny Vegas wins an arm wrestling match against Tony Atlas. Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat beat by DQ the new team of Brian Pillman and Steve Austin, a young team you may know of, in a tag title match. In the main event cage match, Sting and Dustin Rhodes are shorthanded due to an injury to Ron Simmons. Vader, Orndorff, and Wyndham have a major advantage, but Cactus Jack breaks into the cage, getting the pin on Orndorff. You're going to see a highlight of that in a few moments, Bill, but this situation obviously has gotten out of hand. That's right, and sometimes it gets carried away clear into the dressing rooms and everything like that, and we can't encourage that. we got to do everything we can to confine it to the ring. Fans, this piece of videotape courtesy of Worldwide Wrestling, Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura call the action. Let's take a quick look at this. Shivani, you gotta be kidding me. Koloff's already been disqualified. The fight is on between Rude and Karloff. They're still fighting back towards the dressing room area. So Koloff throws Ravishing Rick Rude over the top rope. We thought the fight was going to be broken up, Bill, but we were very wrong on that one. That's right. The referee called it right. Koloff was disqualified for intentionally throwing his man over the top rope. It should have been over at that point. But just sometimes your emotion is into it, and sometimes guys have to settle things that go above and beyond. Fans, we got a camera in the locker room area, and here's exactly what happened. Back to the dressing room area with Rude and Nikita. There you see it. And there's Nikita Koloff. And Rude's dressing room door. He's going in the dressing room. What is, look at this. They're going at it inside the dressing room. Nikita Koloff. But Koloff is in the wrong dressing room. Look at Terry Taylor. In the dressing room fighting. What a wild scene. Many wrestlers in. There's Wyndham Valley and Van Hammer. Ryan this, is, this is an out of control brawl, Tony Schiavone. Bill, it obviously uh, was a chaotic situation in the locker room of ravishing Rick Rude. Both men fined $5,000. That's a great deal of money. Well, it certainly is, but we're trying to get their attention. We're saying we won't tolerate that. If that's not enough, we can always raise it. They're not going to carry the batter into the locker rooms and into the street. Well, it looks as if we're about to be joined by the United States heavyweight champion, ravishing Rick Rude and Medusa. about this uh, situation? Well, 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 Bill Watts, your reputation precedes you. 
inside the wrestling ring. You were a ferocious and dominating wrestler. Now it amazes me as head honcho of the WCW how you continue to carry your bullying tactics in the front office. Bill Watts, Cowboy Bill, upholder of law and justice. Well, that, that's just fine and dandy to me. But where my problem is, is it was Nikita Koloff who threw me over the top rope. It was Nikita Koloff who continued to fight down the aisle into the outer limits. And it was Nikita Koloff who barged into a restricted dressing room, my dressing room. Bill Watts, you're right. Nikita Koloff should be fined and fined heavily. But me, I didn't do anything wrong unless you call defending myself wrong. No, that's okay, Bill. That's okay. I'm going to pay your $5,000 fine. But for every dollar that goes towards your fine, I'm going to take out of Nikita Koloff's hide. And with seven quarts of blood pumping through his Russian veins, that's going to amount to about $666 a quart. And it's going to be on your conscience, Watts. And one other thing while I have the floor here. I am the United States heavyweight champion. And I have been for quite some time. And you know quite well that that makes me number one in line for a shot at the world heavyweight champion. It don't matter if it's Big Van Vader. It don't matter if it's Sting. Bill Watts, you in the WCW owe me a shot at the title. Or you got some kind of conspiracy going against me. No, one thing he's right, he is going to pay the fine. And I know how innocent he is. I think we need to look at the U.S. title. It is the number one contender. And maybe we better get him some tougher competition, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with more on WCW Saturday Night right after this. Watt starts building for the next pay-per-view, Super Brawl. He has a dumb mini-movie with Sting going to Vader's White Castle of Fear to accept a match at Super Brawl. The movie made no sense and was laughable, but another tactic that was used that was much more interesting. The announcement was made that the Rock and Roll Express would appear on the show, using old footage of a match between the Rock and Rolls and the Midnight Express. The next week, Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies from Smoky Mountain Wrestling disrupted the Saturday show in protest of the use of that footage. The following week, Watson Brad Armstrong, the Smoky Mountain Commissioner, agreed to punish Cornette and his crew by wrestling on Super Brawl against the Rock and Roll Express. Despite Cornette not waiting, any, not wanting to anything to do with WCW, however, Watts wouldn't be there when Super Brawl comes around. Reportedly, there is a problem with getting Ric Flair back as Watts and Flair are disagreeing over money. This was the last straw as far as Watts' bosses were concerned, and Watts was demoted. He is still part of the booking committee, but will no longer handle contracts. Watts finds himself in a situation that was unacceptable to him, and he quits. Most people are expecting Tony Schiavone to get put in charge, but executives surprise everyone by giving the job to a third-string announcer by the name 
of Eric Bischoff. Listen, I, you know, I don't mind the wrestling business, but if I got to spend most of my time defending myself to this corporation, the hell with it. And Bill, you know, imploded and told these white shirts and the red tie guys where they could stick it in no uncertain terms. And then after him, the statement came out, there will never be another person ever that's been involved in sports entertainment that will have anything to do with this business. Some of those people in the other divisions didn't want us. So we had to find that person that could channel Ted's money and Ted's wishes the right way. And that's when it came down to Bill Shaw. Bill was the person that used Ted's money the right way to buy the equipment, certain equipment that we needed on the road, more handheld cameras and more cable and uh, lighting and, and pyrotechnics. We bought our own audio system. I think Bill Shaw was a smart enough man to know he wasn't smart enough to run the rest of the business. And he was looking for somebody he could trust and somebody he could run the wrestling business. Shaw, I think for the lack of a desire to go out and interview endless people who would have been more wrestling people, he got Bischoff, who was more of a marketing TV guy. But the irony of that was Eric's roots were wrestling. Eric started as an announcer working for Vern in the AWA. And there was such a negative taste in the, in the senior management of Turner's mouth about their wrestling experiences, and Eric sold himself as exactly the 180 man. And that's what sold Shaw. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. TuneIn Premium has all the radio you want for $7.99 a month. That's all the radio you want for $7.99 a month. That means every single Major League Baseball game, every single NFL game, the most massive collection of commercial-free radio stations in the world, over 5.5 million podcasts, and unlimited access to 40,000 audiobooks. Download the TuneIn Radio app for a free 7-day trial of TuneIn Premium. TuneIn Premium. Boundless audio. You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, btbcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at btbcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, btbcast network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at BT tbcast.com go old school with beyond the bell well old school fans with bill watts gone wcw is looking for a new direction they're looking in a new direction as well. And they found it in a young third string announcer by the name of Eric Bischoff. On our next edition, Chapter 6 covers the beginning 
of the Bischoff era in WCW. This week's content is courtesy of Soli's Vintage Wrestling, the Mid-Atlantic Gateway, DDT Digest, Legacy of Wrestling, IW Headlines, the PW Torch, and the Wrestling Observer. Audio courtesy of WWE DVD releases, the rise and fall of WCW, and the history of the World Heavyweight Championship. Also, YouTube, HighSpots.com, as well as WWE.com and the WWE Network. So my old school family, that closes Chapter 5, and we look ahead to Chapter 6 and the beginning of Eric Bischoff running World Championship Wrestling. Until next time, this is Sean Beckerman signing off. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Bell. Remember to always keep it old school, my friends.